Hello and welcome to our continuing 2017 educational webinar series. I am Dr. Jill Brooks, Senior Director of Education for First Healthcare Compliance. At First Healthcare Compliance, we help you with a comprehensive compliance management solution tailored to your business, a hospital, a hospital network, healthcare practice of any size, billing company, or skilled nursing facility. As part of our complimentary educational webinar series, we bring you experts from around the country to discuss relevant topics in the healthcare industry. Our focus this month has been on HIPAA and now on PCI compliance. We are so pleased to have Sam Roden from Security Metrics presenting Payment Card Industry Basics, the what, why, and how. Sam is the Director of Security Metrics Merchant Compliance. He has worked in PCI industry for over six years, specializing in helping small and medium-sized businesses understand and meet the required payment card industry data security standard. He spent several years as a compliance consultant, working with individuals and businesses one-on-one -on -one to help resolve specific concerns and obstacles surrounding their own PCI compliance. Sam has since managed several compliance teams, including a team that specializes in helping healthcare organizations achieve full compliance, and now oversees the efforts of the entire SMB merchant compliance team at Security Metrics. Go ahead, Sam. All right, thank you, Jill, and thanks everyone for um, your attendance today. Also, thanks in advance for those that I'm sure will maybe listening to this at another date or time. So. Um, I've been excited about this. We've been in communication with Jill for several weeks, getting getting plans ready, getting ready to to prepare for this, and um, had some good conversations beforehand. We've being in the compliance industry, whether that's HIPAA, OSHA, PCI compliance, um, with all the other tasks and assignments you have in your in your regular position, some of these compliance um, type requirements can be time consuming and oftentimes a little bit um, confusing and frustrating and, and a lot of that confusion and frustration stems um, in our experience just from a just a general lack of, of real understanding and understanding the purpose of these requirements and so hopefully today we're able to address some of those concerns um, as, it, as it relates to PCI compliance and provide you a little bit of clarity um, hopefully some of you have at least some baseline knowledge of PCI and this will help fortify that and if you're unfamiliar with PCI at all you'll have some good information here as well that's going to that will be able to provide a good foundation for you moving forward and hopefully provide you some information about some next steps to continue to progress in that regard. Um, so before we get going into uh, into the PCI specific stuff we thought we'd give you a little bit of background um, about what security metrics does. Um, so security metrics has been around since uh, 2000 um, I was talking to Jill before this began and, and uh, telling her our story a little bit, but the CEO of the company um, owned a, a different company before, um, and they experienced a pretty catastrophic data breach at their company. And in an effort to um, resolve those issues and, and figure out what he needed to do, he found that there weren't a lot of resources available um, as it relates to PCI. And so, um, he kind of became the PCI expert and, and founded the company. And so we've been doing this for, for just under 20 years. Um, we have a number of extremely technical um, individuals with, with data security certifications that, that help provide our products and tools to help business owners, office managers, um, whoever's handling the PCI compliance through these um, somewhat complicated steps. And we, and we do our best to try and help fortify your understanding of the requirements and also provide information and resources to help you progress and, and achieve those compliance statuses that are so important. Um, our, our main focus with these, outside of the actual compliance, um, our main focus with security metrics is to um, secure data. In the technical age that we live in, um, there are a lot of, of tools and resources available that do make your job's easier and life a lot simpler. Um, however, with that, there are some associated risks, and so we strive to, to stay up to date and to provide solutions that, that help cover you from, from your risk, which is gonna protect your business and protect your customers um, from any kind, of, any kind of data breaches. Um, just a little outline for the, the presentation today, just so you know what direction we'll be going. We're first gonna talk about what PCI is, what that means, what that stands for, kind of the origins of that organization, and the security standards um, that they require. Um, and then we'll talk about, and this is a, after understanding what it is, um, we do have a lot of um, 
people that have a, a lot of our even customers that have a hard time understanding why it's important. And so we'll go over some of those reasons, some of the benefits associated with caring and becoming PCI compliant and taking time to really understand what that means and, and uh, take advantage of the resources available to you. And then after that, once you can understand where what it is, why it's important, then we'll talk about the steps that you'll need to take in order to become PCI compliant. Um, we will, this will be fairly superficial um, in regards to PCI. Can, there's a lot of rabbit holes that we can go down. And so we want to provide you kind of a general idea. Um, and if you do have other specific questions about your specific scenario, um, we're, we're happy to provide um, information to you as well that will help you in that in that case. So um, let's get right into it. So the first first topic, what is PCI DSS? So first of all, PCI stands for the Payment Card Industry. Um, this was an organization that was formed by the major credit card companies. So Visa, MasterCard Worldwide, Discover Financial, American Express, JCB International, etc. Um, they came together and and formed this organization, the Payment Card Industry. Um, as they were coming together, they, they, uh, their whole objective really was to reduce the amount of payment card theft and fraud within the industry. Um, there was a, a pretty alarming amount of data loss and there were not a lot of standards or um, practices put in place to help prevent that from happening. And so they came together and as a brain trust with their industry knowledge and technical knowledge, um, came together and formed these data security standards, which is what that DSS stands for. And the, the data security standards, like it says here, is a set of 12 card handling practices um, that any merchant that's handling or processing, storing, viewing, um, any kind of card data at all, is they're required to meet that. Um, within those 12 main categories or practices, there are a number of sub-requirements and sub-categories um, that are also applicable depending on how you're processing cards. And we'll, we'll look at that a little bit later. You can see there are, there are definitely more than 12 specific practices that have to, be met, have to be met, but they've kind of categorized them into those 12 practices. Um, PCI is something that, like we just talked about, any, anyone in the industry, anybody that's handling card data at all um, is required to meet these standards. There are different standards um, depending on how you're handling, processing, or storing that card information, um, as well as there are some different requirements depending on your merchant level, which if you are unfamiliar with that, the merchant level is determined by the number of transactions that take place at a company on an annual basis. Um, if you're unsure about your merchant level, that if you have a merchant processing company, they're a great resource. They should have that information for you but just kind of some general guidelines to help you understand where these come from. Um, most of the, most merchants either qualify as a level three or level four merchant, um, which means essentially that you're doing less than 1 million transactions a year. Um, if you do between 1 million and 6 million transactions, you qualify as a level two merchant. And then if you're over 6 million transactions annually, um, you qualify as a level one merchant. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later and how that applies to PCI. And again, if you have sp specific questions about your current scenario, we're happy to provide information. And again, your merchant processor will be an excellent resource in that category to help you determine um, which requirements would apply to you. Um, so to give you kind of an idea of some of, the, some of these 12 requirements and which ones are often um, either met or not met, we'll kind of talk about that here for a second. So from, uh, from the data that we've been able to, to gather, here are the, the requirements that are most frequently implemented, meaning these are the ones that the majority of the companies that we're working with are already doing, um, even before validating their PCI compliance. So PCI requirement three talks about protecting stored cardholder data. Um, this means that we are, um, that you're taking the time to, rather than leaving, if you're storing credit card information, it's not left left out, so to speak, um, electronically, that there's encryption codes and things like that to keep it protected. That's something that most people understand and do a pretty good job of doing. Um, requirement four talks about securing data over, over open and public networks. Um, so there's point-to-point -point encryption software and things like that to help protect. That's also something that 
that most, especially those that are have any kind of IT savvy, understand and are are able to implement. Um, restricting data access is another thing that, again, a lot of some of these things are are pretty pretty common sense. Um, understanding the difference between public information and private information, and knowing that that private information has to have some restrictions, it's a password protection and things like that, um, is something that a lot of people understand. Um, again, that's kind of this the restricting based on a need to know basis. Um, we actually had a, a kind of a horror story in that regard. We had a senior, not at our company, but we've worked with a senior vice president that, that felt that he needed to have access to everything. Um, and so being in the position he was, he was granted that and, and received admin access to everything and would routinely um, VPN or, or re remotely access the company environment from his home laptop and because his home network wasn't as secure as the business network, um, and he was opening that, that port to get into the network, he actually contracted malware, um, logged into the corporate network, and instantly the, those wanting to access that information had access to all of the company data because he had not, because that um, data access restriction was not properly put into place. So that resulted, just again, one example, um, and personal data for over 800,000 customers was breached from that instance. So again, hopefully that's not something you encounter, but the importance of these standards is huge. And, and uh, these are some of the kind of the horror stories that put things in perspective. Um, PCA requirement nine is, is just a physical security, meaning you have um, badge access and access restrictions to different areas within the company. This is something that again, most, most companies have in place as well that ends up being a a big benefit to the overall security of the industry. Um, on the flip side of that, some of the vulnerabilities or some of the requirements that are not often met or not fully understood that, that can result in unaddressed vulnerabilities um, are the following. So sensitive data exposure, again, that kind of relates to some of those standards that are being met, but any kind of sensitive data exposure can be dangerous regardless of how that's exposed. Um, that would be the same as, as you've been learning about HIPAA compliance. PHI, um, as well as card data that can be breached, can have um, some negative effects in that category. Um, plain text password communication. Um, again, this is, this is another one that people will, will send somebody else their password or save their password on their computer. And so if hackers break in, they're able to get that information. And, and oftentimes we've seen We've actually seen companies that on in a desktop folder um, have have saved a folder that says company passwords. Um, their IT people have those on, on file in case they get forgotten or they need to log in for them. So things like that can be big problems and cause huge vulnerabilities for an organization. Um, the, these last three are, are more technical things that um, that IT people are trying to address and maybe without the proper expertise or experience regarding PCI sometimes fall short on, um, but misconfiguring security protocols on their network, um, exposing data database ports. Um, for example, if you're for like this example we just talked about with the remote access, there was a port exposed that allowed uh, malware to, to kind of infect that environment. And then other firewall or other coding vulnerabilities that can cause problems. We've actually had um, done some on-site PCI assessments for some very large organizations, um, and in one case, I believe their their firewall protocol code um, on their end was several thousand pages of code, and our auditor was able to detect one character that had been um, inputted incorrectly in that code that essentially negated all of the security protocols for that firewall. And so anyway, just again, kind of some horror stories to help put things in perspective. And it's not because people aren't caring or not trying. It's oftentimes just a lack of, of industry knowledge or, or basic human mistakes that can cause some big vulnerabilities. And so it's one, one reason why um, talking about PCI and learning as much as you can is so important is you want to take advantage of those resources and ensure that you're your network and your environment where that sensitive data is handled is, is as secure as possible. Um, so that kind of leads us into this, this next discussion about why, why is this important? Why should I care? Um, and this is a very valid question. Um, there are a lot, there is a lot on your plate 
especially in the healthcare space with HIPAA compliance, OSHA compliance, um, let alone running a business, treating patients, all the other things that are are vital to, for you to succeed as a business, as a company. Um, it's hard to find the time and the resources to really understand and care about these type of requirements. So um, the first reason, and this is one that we've kind of been touching on throughout, is the whole point of this is to increase data security. That was the main motivation from the payment card industry. Um, and it's something that sometimes gets lost in translation, um, that we're, we focus so heavily on compliance and, and kind of checking the box to make sure we're not penalized or not getting bugged by a merchant processor to do it, that we just zip through it. And so the whole, the whole point of this is the more serious you take it, the, the higher chance you'll have of, of preventing data breaches or, or other uh, costly events at the, at the business. Um, as you can see here, the trends for, for data breaches continues to increase from 2015 to 2016. As you can see, 40% more breaches took place in the US, and these are um, reported breaches. So there may be, that number is probably much higher for breaches that, that potentially go unnoticed or unaddressed, um, which, which happens as well. So again, just in the year 2016, over 36 million records exposed. Um, that's a lot of people that have information stolen at one point or the other. I'd imagine there are people um, attending today or people that are attending that know other people that have experienced some kind of data breach on a personal level or a company level that has resulted in, in um, issues. I know I've had, I've had information, card information stolen at one point and, and it took some time to resolve that and, and reverse charges and things like that. It can be a, it can be a big problem and it affects a lot of us. And so as, as business owners, as, as people that help run companies, um, taking it seriously ends up not only benefiting your customers, but it ends up benefiting you as a, as a, um, as an industry, if we can get better at understanding and addressing these vulnerabilities, it's only going to secure um, your own card information as well. Um, the uh, FBI reports that socially engineered cyber attacks, um, this was in 2016, cost, and a lot of these were larger, so there were some breaches associated with Snapchat um, and Seagate, that, that those engineered cyber attacks, cyber attacks um, cost businesses um, over 3.1 billion in 2016 alone. So outside of the data security and the um, the how it affects your brand, for example, there are some pretty serious financial implications that can take place as well if you don't properly address these concerns. So um, along with along with the fines in an event of a breach that you see there at the bottom that we just discussed. Um, what the PCI um, industry has done is they've taken the, they've created these standards and then rather than creating the standards and also being the governing body, they have um, taken time to, or they've kind of passed that, passed the buck onto the individual merchant processing companies. And that's who ends up really enforcing the standards um, regarding PCI. And so most of those companies um, in an effort to help provide some additional incentive and some additional motivation to complete these standards and to, to validate their compliance on an annual basis, do implement some kind of non-compliance fees. Some of you may have experienced that on your end already, um, that you may have seen some kind of non-compliance fee or non-compliance charge on your merchant uh, processing statements. Um, and that's what that's in, in regards to. We'll talk a little bit more about what the requirement entails and how you validate your, your PCI compliance. Um, but that's oftentimes what that's in reference to is, is charges because you have not completed those requirements. Um, again, it is mandated by all major card brands. Um, your merchant processor may have specific requirements depending on your merchant level or depending on how they handle PCI compliance for additional reports. Um, and then again, those fees that, that can happen as well. In the event of a data breach, kind of going back to this last point, um, you will, you are typically subject to fines and penalties associated with the costs resulting from that breach. And so kind of on average to help you get a feel for things, um, and this is averages pulled from larger companies and smaller companies, the, the fees typically frequent over, or frequently total over $100,000. 
And so for, for any organization, that's a lot of money, but especially for these smaller organizations that oftentimes get targeted, um, it can be devastating. We have <clears throat> several employees in security metrics that worked for organizations and nonprofits that ended up having to close down because of a data breach they couldn't afford the, the fines and penalties associated with that. And again, this is, hopefully we're not, I'm not trying to introduce um, scare tactics here, but just to kind of help you understand the, the importance of taking this seriously, the importance of addressing these, these concerns. Um, there are a lot of wonderful positive stories for those that have um, taken this seriously, completed the requirements and that their business is protected. So hopefully that kind of answers some questions about um, what the industry is, what PCI even means, how it affects you, um, what, what the objectives of it are. And then the next question, obviously the natural question is, okay, now that I know that, what do I need to do? How do I, how do I become PCI compliant on my end? Um, we, again, we try and simplify this. There's a lot that goes into this, but we can kind of break it down into a couple of basic steps. So step one is to identify your scope. Like we have discussed, there are different security standards depending on how cards are processed, depending on the number of transactions that, that you do with the business. And so um, step one is to figure out which of those requirements apply and to make sure that you're meeting and achieving all applicable requirements and also not doing extra work for things that are not applicable to your circumstances. And so we'll talk a little bit more about what that entails, what are some steps you can take to identify your scope but that's step one, figure out what, what you need to do. Um, step two is to complete a self-assessment questionnaire, um, which is what that SAQ stands for. A self-assessment questionnaire is essentially all of the applicable standards, depending on your scope, um, that have been made into, that have been turned into yes or no format. And so what it means to complete an SAQ is to go on and answer those questions, yes or no. The whole objective in order to get a passing self-assessment questionnaire, you, knew, you do need to validate that you have um, been able to answer yes to all of the standards, meaning you are following all the applicable standards to your situation. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more how those SAQs can be accessed, where you can access them, um, some additional resources that can help you in those two steps as well. Um, for anyone using the internet, to interface with any kind of card information. So whether you're um, accessing that data remotely, whether you go online and enter card information for your customers, um, there are instances where, I mean, if you have a website, for example, if customers are entering card information, depending on how that website was configured and who owns the domain and all these things, um, that may be applicable as well that you, basically the whole objective of that third point is to ensure that the connection, the internet connection, through which that card information is being communicated um, remains secure. And so the payment card industry has authorized companies that they list as um, accredited scanning vendors or approved scanning vendors and ASV to run these network scans and port scans to ensure that those connections are secure. And we'll talk a little bit more about what that means and what that looks like. And then once that's completed, so once you've identified your scope, you've gone on and completed your SAQ, if you're using the internet in any way to, to handle card information, you have a passing scan. The fourth step is then to report that compliance to your merchant processor so that they can report it to the, the payment card industry and validate that you're, that you're doing what you're supposed to. So again, this is, uh, this is kind of the, the most basic scenario here. This is very simplified, but those are the four basic steps um, to move forward. So let's talk a little bit more in depth about each of these steps. Um, the first step is to identify your scope, like we talked about. This is one that maybe is the most important and one that without proper um, background knowledge about PCI can be extremely difficult. Um, and so here's some kind of some general guidelines that can put you at least on the right track to make sure that you're set up correctly. Um, to discover your own PCI scope and figure out what's included in that in your PCI compliance, you really need to identify anything, any systems on your end that process, store, transmit, or can initiate any kind of connection to any of the systems that handle cardholder data um, or credit card information. And, and also evaluate what, what people and systems are in communication to those systems that handle card information. Um, there are, a tricky part about this is as things change, as your circumstances change, and there are 
kind of one-off situations that you might not realize are affecting your PCI compliance status or your scope. For example, um, if you're, and we see this a lot, if you're a retail, for say, let's say you're a retail store, um, or at your practice you swipe cards at the front desk for payment. Um, there are instances that we've seen where people receive paper orders, for example. That's something that may affect your, your PCI compliance scope. Or if you ever take, take credit card information over the phone um, or receive emails with card information, that's something that's going to affect your scope. That's one thing that, um, again, as, t as technology increases, a lot of organizations have switched over to a, a VoIP phone line or a voice over IP phone line that's essentially an IP or an internet-enabled connection. Because that internet is involved, even though it's it's not the internet in the sense that you think about logging on to a browser and searching websites, an internet connection is used to transmit that information. And so if you're receiving card numbers over the phone, that's something that would now fall into scope that would have to be addressed. Another thing that many companies do for um, quality, quality reviews and um, just to ensure that to provide training, for example, they're, they're recording phone calls. If you're recording phone calls that have sensitive information on it, we have to figure out where that where those phone calls are being stored, how they're being stored, and that's again something that may affect your your compliance status. Um, so again, these these four questions you can kind of ask yourself: What do we do as an organization, right? How are we handling card information? How do we accept card information, right? Is it just in person? Do we receive paper orders? Do we receive it online? Do we receive it over the phone? Um, those things are important. How do we make money? Meaning, how much of the business is even, how much of that money is even um, coming from credit card transactions? In the case that you are receiving credit card information, how are you handling it, right? Um, what systems is touching, kind of understanding, kind of a flow chart of where it starts and how it's going through your system and then where it ends up in your system and then what devices are being used for that process. Those are kind of some good questions to start asking yourself as you think through. Um, PCI. Um, continued with that as well, some things that often, people often don't think may fall in scope depending on how their network is configured, and we won't get too much into a, a technical discussion here, but oftentimes people definitely understand that, okay, my credit card machine or my point of sale system or my website that accepts credit card information, those are absolutely in scope. Um, but unless they are isolated on a network, which is not often, often the case, um, some of these other devices go left, uh, they get left unaddressed and can and pose, can pose additional vulnerabilities to a business. So networking devices, servers, switches, routers, other computing devices, other payment applications or applications that might transmit or handle card information on a system would also need to be evaluated to ensure um, that you're that you're set up correctly. Um, again, there there this these um, excuse me this the scoping portion of the process can be relatively technical and relatively complicated depending on your experience um, regarding to IT solutions or um, PCI in general. Um, and so there are some excellent resources on the the PCI Council the uh, Payment card industry does have a website that has a lot of excellent resources for you. Um, it's PCI Data Security or PCI, excuse me, PCI Security Standards.org. There's some excellent resources there. Um, there are other companies um, like ourselves, like Security Metrics, that provide this information for you as well. So just to kind of give you an idea of how the process works on our end, um, we have multiple ways to get you set up and scoped correctly. Um, the first option is to go online and do it yourself. We have some smart software there that as you select how you're processing cards, it's going to ask additional questions to really determine how you're handling the card information and where it's going once it's being once it's in your system. Um, we do also have a team, the team that I am over, we have um, over 100 compliance consultants at Security Metrics that field calls um, from business owners, office managers, IT people that have been tasked with completing their PCI compliance. And because of the experience that we're, we have, we're able to kind of uh, start you from scratch and help you determine which SAQ applies, what's in scope, and help you understand the requirements that apply based on that on that scoping. So those are some ideas on, on how you can move forward for that first step. 
Um, the second step is also um, once you've completed or once you've been scoped correctly, depending on that how you're scoped, um, you'll be assigned a self-assessment questionnaire to complete. There are um, a number of different questionnaires that we'll kind of go through here for a second as well, depending on how you are processing or handling that card information like we talked about. Um, and they range in the number of questions associated with them. There are some additional requirements you can see we've listed up on that on the top bar. You can see there's a spot for vulnerability scan and penetration testing. We'll talk about what, what each of those are here in just one second as well. But just to give you a feel, you can see the range of questions that are um, contained in each of those SAQs. Um, again, each of those questions falls under one of those 12 security practices that we talked about at the beginning of the presentation, but you can see there are more than just 12 questions that need to be answered. So um, a couple of the scenarios, just to kind of give you a feel, and maybe you guys can figure out if you fit into one of these categories. Some of the most common situations that we come across um, are, are FAQB, as in boy, that third one down, 41 questions. Um, there's no vulnerability scanner penetration, penetration testing required for that SAQ. But this is for um, businesses or merchants that handle card information through a little swipe machine, a little swipe terminal at the front desk or at, the, at a kiosk or anything, something like that. And that, that terminal um, is connected with a standard phone line. Um, again, this is, this is fairly common, especially depending on the number of transactions. It's typically a fairly cheap solution. And because the internet is um, not involved, it also allows you to keep your, your requirements fairly simple. Anytime you can um, eliminate the use of the internet within your, within your practice for card data, it's just gonna simplify your scope. That being said, um, there are some huge benefits from, from ever using the internet um, regarding your card processing because it's simple, it's faster, um, it's, it's also, it also can be more secure and a better fit for your business, but it just changes your requirements. Um, another scenario that we see a lot um, with, the, with the SAQ types is, is SAQC, as in CAT, that first one listed there, it's 160 questions. You can see it's about four times the questions associated on that SAQ as there was on SAQB. This is for merchants that use the internet to process cards. So if you're using a little swipe machine, for example, that's connected to an internet connection, rather through a phone line, um, that you would qualify for this. If you're using a virtual terminal, which is kind of like an online portal where you're getting information for customers and then you're going online and entering it through some kind of online system. Um, that's, that's quite common as well. Also, we've, we're seeing more and more of this as the industry progresses, but there's a lot of mobile devices. Um, get a little swipe machine on your smartphone or on a tablet that's used to process cards. Those connections also pass through some, for, some sort of internet connection as well. And so you qualify for this questionnaire. Um, and then anytime you're viewing or handling card data over the internet, this would qualify. For example, um, we do have some organizations that they have kind of outsourced all of their card processing to a third party website, so they don't really touch the cards. However, um, they have access to log online to a portal to view the transactions. And in that portal, they can see the card information that was processed. And so even though they're not processing the cards because they have access to that data through an internet connection, um, it, they would qualify for that self-assessment questionnaire. And again, because this questionnaire is specific to merchants using the internet connection, there are these vulnerability scans that are required that we'll talk a little bit more about here in a second, but you can see that's why there's a why there for yes for vulnerability scans. Um, SAQD is, is also fairly common, especially with the use of point of sale systems that's becoming more and more common in the card processing industry. SAQD is the kind of the full comprehensive self-assessment questionnaire. It covers all 12 of those data security practices and all of the sub requirements, um, which is why you can see it. it is quite lengthy. There's 329 yes or no questions on that questionnaire. Um, and this is specific to any merchant that is electronically storing credit card information. Um, so again, the most, the most common instance that we see of this is merchants using a point of sale system. The, some of the newer point of sale systems do tokenize the card information 
which you can see, meaning that rather than storing the card information, they store a number that represents the transaction. They don't actually store the card number itself. Um, and you can see that would qualify, qualify you for SAQC. But if you're not using a, a point of sale system that tokenizes, which the majority of customers that we talk to, they do have a point of sale system, do not, um, then that system, whether you have access to the full card number or not, is actually storing the credit card number on the machine. And it, typically those are encrypted, so it is more secure, but whether the data is encrypted or not um, doesn't play a role in the scoping procedure here, and so you'd still qualify it for SAQD. Um, along with the scans that are required, you can see that penetration testing is also required, and we can talk a little bit more in depth, we won't go too much in depth, we'll talk a little bit more about what that penetration test is and some resources that you can utilize to, um, to get that done. Um, the self-assessment questionnaires are, some of the language in those questionnaires can be quite technical, and so something that we've done on our end, again, to, to make this process as simple as possible for you so you can focus on the things that, that keep your business afloat, um, is we do have some, we do, we have taken these questionnaires that the payment card industry has put together, which again, you can find and download for free on the PCISecuritystandards.org that we talked about before. One thing that we've done on our end is we've taken that, that language and tried to put it in layman's terms at least as best as possible. Um, so the, the questions that you see here, this is a, a view of our, our portal where the questionnaire is accessed, is simplified language. We've tried to, to simplify it as much as possible. There's still some things that are unavoidable, but to, to give you as many resources to really understand the question and understand the requirement. And as you can see, there's an option with each of those requirements to answer yes or no, to validate, yes, I'm doing this, or no, I'm going to do this, I'm gonna get it implemented. Um, so once you've completed that SAQ, um, the next step is to complete this, to complete a passing scan. Um, the whole purpose of this scan, something that we kind of do to, to help explain it, is we relate it to a security guard walking around the outside of a building to ensure that all of the doors are locked, windows are closed, et cetera. Um, and so what the, what the scan does is it goes into that internet connection or that network connection or domain name and it, and it ensures that all of the, the connections are properly secured, meaning that there's no open doors, so to speak, to your network where somebody can stroll in and handle the card information. These type of scans, this uh, kind of basic vulnerability scan is also something that's extremely applicable for HIPAA compliance if you're handling PHI using the internet or have systems that are connected to the internet where that information is stored. It's also a, a part of the HIPAA requirement to make sure that your connection is secure. So that's essentially the point. The scans run automatically. Um, they go in and check for any major vulnerabilities. And in order to complete your PCI compliance or validate that you're compliant, um, you have to achieve a passing status on that scan. Um, the requirement from, from the PCI is that those network scans are run once every quarter. So they're run four times a year and they have to be performed by an approved scanning vendor, which is what we talked about before, an ASV. And if you have a company that's performing that for you already, or if you have an IT person that's wanting to do it for you, you can go to that PCI security standards website and they do have a comprehensive list of all of the ASVs that have receive the proper certification to provide that scan for you and provide you val valid compliance. Um, so that's, that's kind of the basics of, the, of an ASV scan, to identify vulnerabilities. And then um, one thing to kind of keep in mind as well as you're looking for an, an approved scanning vendor, because, it's, because you have to have an, a, a passing scan to validate compliance, it's a great idea to look for companies that provide unlimited scanning for you um, so that you can continue to run scans if you do fail to, uh, to make sure that those issues have been addressed properly. Um, so kind of just to give you an idea of what this looks like, this is the portal that Security Metrics uses for our, for our scanning protocols. Um, it lists the, the target there at the top left. That would be the IP address that was scanned, and it shows the status. You can see there's definitely some action items that need to happen here because it's showing a failing status. Um, and then over on the right, um, in this user interface, you can see the, full, the specific vulnerabilities that are listed. If you're an IT person, some of, the, some of that might make sense to you. If you're not, 
it might look like a, a different language, which it kind of is. Um, one thing that we do as well, because not every company has an in-house IT person to handle this for you, is we do have um, a technical support team that can help you resolve some of these vulnerabilities that come up and help you with the, the proper network configuration. So again, complete or determine your scope, complete an SAQ. If you use the internet to process cars, you're also required to complete that scan. That essentially sums up the requirements if you are a level three or level four merchant, meaning you're doing um, less than a million transactions a year. There are some additional requirements for larger organizations. Um, if you're a level one merchant, for example, which if you are level one, you would absolutely know you're level one at this point, um, but they actually require an on-site auditor to come and do the assessment for them, which is not required if you're level three or level four. So once all that's completed, the next step, just to make sure that you're saving yourself from any non-compliance fees and making sure you've reported this um, correctly is um, to report that compliance to provide an attestation of compliance to your merchant processing company. Um, again, those are available through other companies. They're also available through the PCI security standards website. Um, and then one thing that we do on our end is we try to automate this as much as possible. We do have relationships with many of the merchant processing companies. And so we're able to, um, through your online portal with us, we're able to send those compliance reports as well directly to your merchant processing company. But that's the final step to make sure that you get credit for all the work that you just did becoming PCI compliant. You just need to send in a report showing that you've done it. Um, outside of those requirements and outside of the some of the requirements that we've talked about, there are a number, again, a bunch of requirements on the questionnaire itself that have to be met that we haven't talked about. Some of the ones that we've we found a lot of customers tend to struggle with or lack the resources or experience for um, is to be able to run internal vulnerability scanning. Um, this is similar to the vulnerability assessment scan that we talked about that runs on the external side of the network. There are similar scans that run on the internal side to check for basic vulnerabilities. Um, penetration testing is a little bit more in depth or a lot more in depth than a basic vulnerability scan. Essentially what it is, is it's an exhaustive live examination um, of your network to, to try, really to try and exploit any weaknesses that exist. Um, some, some organizations, some companies refer to that penetration testing as an ethical hack um, of your network. And so, so the company that you have authorized to do this for you will go in and do everything that a hacker would do to try and access your network. Um, and hopefully they're unable to penetrate it, but if they do find a way in, they're able to identify how they got in and then help you resolve that concern so it can't happen from somebody that's actually trying to steal the information. Um, security policy and security policy procedure implementation is something that is hugely valuable and also very complex and very time consuming. Um, we have a number of, of, of templates and documents that we, that we provide on our end just to kind of give you an idea of how comprehensive some of them are um, hundreds of pages to outline all of the policies and practices and to define how those policies and practices are implemented and overseen at the company. So it can be extremely extensive, extremely complex, especially without um, IT, an IT background or a PCI background, which, which the majority of people don't have. And so it's really important to try and use, use your resources, use what's available to you. There are, like I said, there are a ton of resources on the, on the website, PCI website. Um, and then there are other companies like Security Metrics that provide similar services. Another requirement, and again, this is applicable for, for HIPAA compliance as well, there are requirements regarding how your employees are trained regarding those policies and procedures um, and other PCI practices, and that's something that we see a lot of companies lacking the expertise or resources for that, that we can help with as well. Um, a question that comes up a lot, now that you kind of understand what the process looks like, where you start, how you, how you kind of work through the, the compliance process is, how often do I need to do this? Um, is it something I'm going to be looking at every day? Is it something I'm going to be looking at every 10 years? Whatever it is. Um, and so from, the, from a requirement standpoint, um, you are required to complete an annual validation. So once a year, um, you go on and complete that self-assessment questionnaire. You make sure your scans are passing. You make sure everything else is up to snuff. 
and then you send your report into the merchant processing company. Again, that's required just one time a year. Um, outside of the annual requirement, there is for if you require vulnerability scanning, the requirement is that's run once a quarter, like we talked about, um, and which is great. That's very important. One thing that we try to emphasize on our end from a data security standpoint is that hopefully throughout the year, um, you're thinking about PCI and making sure that those requirements that you've said you're, that you are um, adhering to are continually met. Um, little, little instances, little data breaches, things like that can happen very quickly. A lot of it's due to human error or just a lack of attention to detail. And so making this a priority in monitoring um, your employee compliance, for example, on a daily basis, making sure things don't go unaddressed is something that's extremely important. Um, some of you may have heard, being in the healthcare space, um, some of you may have heard uh, about the breach that took place at a, at a small practice where one of the employees who had great intentions, who was doing good things, um, took a selfie. And in the background of that selfie, her monitor was up and there was uh, EPHI, PHI listed on the information. And somebody ended up getting that information and there was some identity theft that took place because of that simple act. And so making sure you're staying on top of that kind of behavior, other little things that may sneak through the cracks and making sure this is a priority outside of just your annual compliance is something that's extremely important. Another thing that we see a lot, which is absolutely understandable, is that merchants start getting into this process and realizing it's going to be a lot of work or um, take some time or take some expertise. And rather than doing their best to use the resources available and simplifying the process, they essentially go in and say, I'm just going to go, on, go in and answer yes to all these questions, which may provide you the benefit of uh, avoiding fees and fines associated with PCI. Um, however, it's not going to do you any good regarding your overall data security picture. And in the case that you do experience a breach and have falsely um, attested to meeting those requirements, it's going to uh, be a bigger problem for you then as well. And so rather than going in and just answering yes to everything to get it done and, and kind of viewing it as this hoop that you have to jump through, we encourage really leveraging the, the technologies and practices that are available to you um, to meet those PCI standards. Tune your systems, follow the policies and procedures. Um, once you kind of get into a groove and get all of the, the technical side managed, um, it really is just a daily, a daily thing that's, that's not going to take a ton of time. And once it's implemented, it flows pretty well. It's not like it's, you have to go and reconfigure networks every day. Once it's been implemented and configured, you're going to be in good shape and your, your business will be extremely secure. Um, so this kind of, we've kind of talked through, through um, talked about this throughout, and so we won't spend a ton of time here, but some things that we do at Security Metrics to help. And again, there are other, other options for you. There are options that you can do this on your own as well, but in many cases, we, we, uh, we encourage the use of some kind of PCI provider to help you through the process. So things that we do on our end, we do provide a self-assessment questionnaire. Um, we do have all of those questionnaires with the simplified language that are available online and in a hard copy that we can send to you. We are an approved scan vendor for PCI, and so we, do, we can run both internal, external scans, as well as penetration testing, um, things like that that we're authorized to do to help you achieve compliance. Um, we do also provide things like managed firewalls. So if you have a firewall set up and you have somebody else managing it, if you want to make sure that your uh, firewall is configured correctly, we do have that option for you. We do provide <clears throat> online training courses regarding general data security and specific to PCI and other, other practices. And then we also provide a, a quality service guarantee with our service, which is, includes $100,000 of breach protection. So if you're using our services and in the case that you do experience a breach somehow, um, we're able to help cover a lot of the, the fees and fines up to $100,000 associated with that. Um, so we, again, our whole goal is to help you through this process. Um, unless you're, uh, even, even employees of security metrics, PCI is not a, a dinnertime conversation or a thrilling conversation. And so we, we try to help understand that and understand you have other things that you'd rather spend your time doing at the business to help that move forward. And so we want to help you understand the, understand compliance in general, help you understand which requirements, um, 
you'll you'll need to meet and then provide you as much help and, and as many resources as possible to help you validate and report that compliance to your to your processor. As much as we can, we try and take take a lot of this stuff off your plate so you can focus on other things. Um, a question that comes up a lot in, in regards to our services or other services is, okay, I know it's gonna take some time invested here, but what about, what, what am I gonna have to pay for? What are the costs associated with this? Are we gonna even be able to afford? Things like that, and that can be an intimidating question. So to kind of give you a feel um, for the cost associated with that, and this is pretty standard throughout the industry, for smaller entities, meaning you're a level three, you're a level four merchant, um, your, your systems are, are fairly simple, you're, you're handling cards um, correctly for the, for the most part, and most of your policies and procedures are already implemented, you're doing a lot of things correctly, which is the majority of people that we work with. Um, you can plan on maybe a couple hundred bucks a year. This is the annual cost, and this includes some additional services. So our basic services range anywhere from about 50 to 120 bucks a year, and then depending on your scope and other requirements that you may need help with, there's there's a chance that it may cost a couple hundred bucks, um, and and potentially more than that if you have other stuff that you're wanting help with. If you do, if you are a larger organization, or if you're feeling like, man, there's no way we're going to get this done, but I, I really want to take it seriously. There are options to have somebody come on site and audit your systems and implement policies and procedures and kind of do the whole process for you. And in those cases, um, typically the cost associated with that for somebody to come on site is 50 plus grand. Um, and so that's, again, more tailored to larger organizations. And only an on site audit is only required if you're a level one merchant. So that's most of you are probably not that. So that would not be part of the requirement. Uh, so that kind of covers what we wanted to cover today. So I'll turn the time back over to Jill, and we'll give you some time to answer any questions. We'd love to, to address any specific concerns that you may have at this point. Okay, thanks, Sam. Um, first, the question was, uh, could you repeat the name of that website for the ASV scan? Yeah, so the, the industry website is PCI Security Standards, standards, plural, with an S, dot org. Great. Uh, and is the use of Square considered in the C category for the SAQ types? Yeah, because you're because it's using a mobile processing system, um, it would still qualify for a C. Depending on some merchants will use if they're using Square, they'll use they'll connect to a Wi-Fi connection. So in that case, if you're using Square and connected to Wi-Fi, there would be a scan that's required on that Wi-Fi connection. Um, if you're just using like the 3G, 4G connection, you'd still qualify for the same SAQ type, um, but there's no scan required because you can't scan a, a 3G, 4G network. We leave that up to the to the mobile providers to make sure those connections are as secure as possible. Okay, and I am new to my company and I do not know what we've done in the past for PCI compliance. Where would I start? So really the best place to start, regardless of what's been done in the past, is really to start from the beginning. Um, oftentimes we have companies that come on and say, yeah, we've done this before, we think we have a pretty good handle on things, and then in our in our uh, exercise with them, in that scoping exercise, we determine that they were, that they've been set up with the wrong SAQ type, or they're, they're trying to meet standards that don't even apply to them, so they're spending time and money and resources to try and fix things that they don't even need to fix. And so really step one, again, I would start from, from step one, which is to determine your SAQ type. So either go to the, go to the PCI Council website, start researching that, start figuring out how you're handling card information, or get in contact with a, another PCI provider and figure out which SAQ type you need to take, which requirements apply, and then just start working through the process. Because those SAQs are set up as in a yes or no format, um, there's probably a lot of those questions that you're already able to answer yes for, which is fantastic. And that's going to simplify and shorten the amount of time that's spent completing it. But throughout that process, as you're completing the SAQ, you'll probably come across a couple things as well that you're not doing that need to be addressed. And so rather than making those assumptions, even though things may have already been done, the best place to start is from the beginning and then work through. Okay, uh, our IT service provider insisted that we don't store credit card data, um, so we don't need to be compliant. Is this a common misconception? 
it is a common misconception. There are a there are a number of other misconceptions that happen um, sometimes in an effort to help sell their products or help um, motivate people to to purchase their systems. Um, they will say our system is PCI compliant. Um, there are two sides of compliance. You, you you are required and should be using a system that is PCI compliant, but unfortunately. Um, that does not eliminate your need to complete your validation on an annual basis. There are still things outside of the control of the of the people that provide that software, that system to you that you'll have to validate for. In regards to storing card information, like we talked about before, um, storing card information doesn't um, change the fact that you have to do PCI. It would just change the validation type. So storing card information uh, makes that there are more standards that have to be met in those cases. But if you're handling, like we talked about, if you're handling card information at all, um, you would be required to to meet these standards. Um, what scan would it be for pads like Freesia, which can store cards? Um, the the specific software, the specific system that that's being used. Um, doesn't necessarily affect the scanning requirement. Um, so it, it kind of depends on, we'd have to know a little bit more about that system, but typically the scanning requirement is based on whether or not the um, internet is being used to handle card information. Um, that, that's, what, that's what the SAQ requirement states. And so if that system that you're using uses an internet connection to transmit or, or handle card information, you'd require a scan. And then if it is storing card information, one thing that you would want to be sure of is that that card information is being encrypted while it's being stored, meaning you can't just access it in, in plain text. That's something that's extremely important. However, whether you're encrypting or not, you'd still qualify for SAQD. There are tools that exist, including we have a tool, for example, um, called PanScan, that actually it's a, a downloadable software that you can run on your computer that checks to the checks for any unencrypted card information on your network, and so it's able to identify that information, show you where it is, and then and then provide some suggestions on how to how to mitigate that problem. Could you clarify the difference between um, penetration test and vulnerability scan? Yes. Um, so the the vulnerability scan is a little bit more basic. It just checks the outside connection. It really the, the main things it checks for is an open port, which oftentimes ports get left open so that um, employees have remote access. There are secure ways to have remote access to a network without leaving that port um, open as a vulnerability. But the, I digress a little bit. The, the, the purpose of the vulnerability scan is to check for basic vulnerabilities on, on the external side of that network to make sure there's no easy ways for hackers to get through. The, the purpose of a vulnerability scan and the purpose of the penetration testing is one and the same, is to identify vulnerabilities. The difference is the penetration test um, is much more thorough, and like we talked about before, it's really almost like a live hack or an ethical hack of your network, where somebody is going and exhausting all of their resources to try and break into the network, and then as, they, as they're able to, as, as they find those vulnerabilities, they're able to provide information on what vulnerability they got in through and how to how to fix that problem. So in summary, they fulfill the same purpose. A penetration test is just much more extensive and exhaustive in their in their search for vulnerabilities. Okay. And just last question, can we do the PCI compliance on our own? Absolutely. So if you are a again, if you're a level three or level four merchant and even even some level two merchants are are, have the resources to do this. All that's required um, per the PCI requirements is a self-assessment and an attestation of compliance each year. Um, the exception to that is if you do require scans to be run, if you require vulnerability scans, meaning you're using the internet to process and handle card information, you do have to have a scan run by an ASV. So if you are registered as, as an ASV, and are able to perform those scans, you can continue to do that on your own. Um, otherwise, that would be the one portion of the PCI compliance that you would be required to use a third party for, um, is to, to perform those vulnerability scans. 
Otherwise, though, as far as completing the self-assessment questionnaire, getting set up, all of that can be done on your own, and a lot of a lot of companies do attempt to do that. If you have the resources and the experience, it can be um, obviously a great cost-effective solution. Um, we have we have we do see that a lot of companies lack the resources and the expertise, and so using a company can still be very cost-effective and provide you the resources necessary to to complete it more accurately. Well, thank you so much, Sam. Uh, if you have any more questions, uh, his contact information is right there on the screen. If you send us the questions, I will forward them on to him. You can register for our future webinars or request a demo of our compliance solution on our website at 1sthcc.com or give us a call at 888-543-4778. Thank you again for joining us today.